What up, party people? The City of Angels, Tinseltown is Titletown. It is the city of champions as well. The Los Angeles Dodgers just clinched that the other night, and the Los Angeles Lakers took care of that 16 days prior in this unprecedented time, this 2020 year that doesn't seem like it will end, but the way the calendar looks, it's late October, early November, it will end. What an unprecedented time. What a crazy, crazy two months of sports that we got where the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball were all on at the same time. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about what it means for the Los Angeles Lakers franchise and the Los Angeles Dodgers franchise to have finally achieved their goals, more so the Dodgers and the Dodger faithful, being a native Los Angelino, it means a lot for the Dodgers to win. Seen the Lakers win a bunch. I've never seen the Dodgers in my own two eyes. I am 32 years of age, and that's exactly how many years it has taken for the Dodgers to hoist their seventh World Series title. So let's get down to it. So all the experts, air quotes, and the analytical guys had the Clippers hoisting the NBA trophy, a fake Los Angeles team. For those that are not from here and do not understand, the Clippers are not really LA's team. They're a team that exists solely for the alternative people to like, hipster people to go against the trend of all the Lakers and all of the Lakers' success. And the funny thing is, is this bubble emerged and this idea of this NBA restart became a thing and everyone started moving into this bubble and the system started getting shown off on the major news outlets and the networks. You saw that what's really going to take place here in the NBA playoffs, the NBA bubble, is how these guys can take care of each other, how these guys can play for each other. And these guys are going to get themselves up. The adrenaline of a home crowd, of a home audience, is not going to be a factor. You know, sometimes there are difficult places in sports to play. This NBA bubble was not going to feature that. That's just the reality that was going to take place. So, here come the Los Angeles Lakers. And LeBron James, through anything and everything, delivers on his promise. They take care of the Portland Trailblazers. They take care of the Houston Rockets. They take care of the awesome upstart Denver Nuggets. So they don't get to face those Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. And you talk about a team, a team of guys that were unselfish, that, you know, for lack of a better word, trumped the opposition. The Miami Heat made the NBA Finals. And I don't know if the Miami Heat get there if it's a regular gauntlet of travel as a fourth seed that they were. But you know what? They were the best team. They were the best team, 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 team. Jimmy Butler is a superstar. Arguably, some people say he's just a star, not a superstar. Kind of nitty gritty here. Jimmy Butler is a superstar to me. Jimmy Butler is a great leader to me. And he took that team. He embodied his coach, Eric Spolstra, his GM and president, Pat Riley. And they went out and they went 
and took the Eastern Conference. And then they ran into the Lakers. The Lakers feature two of the top five players in basketball in the world. Anthony Davis, LeBron James. That series ended in six. And yes, the Heat went through some injuries. Goran Dragic, who I love, unfortunate. Bam Adebayo, unfortunate. He started getting healthy towards the, as the series started to progress. Uh, just never felt comfortable. Anyway, the Lakers end up winning their title. They win their 17th title. They are tied now with the Boston Celtics. How did we get here? Three years it took Jeannie Buss to get here. The last time the Lakers ended up winning the title was in 2010 against their hated rivals, Boston Celtics, who were sporting the 17 at the time. The Lakers would achieve their 16th title. This is what matters. This is what mattered to Dr. Jerry Buss, who owned the team before, was to tie the Celtics at least. He told that to Phil Jackson when Phil Jackson took the job back in 99. So what I'm thinking or saying is when Kobe last ended as a champion in 2010 and walked off the court, he and Pau Gasol on that team that defeated the Celtics, it took us a while to get here. And in that, Dr. Buss passed away, unfortunately. The ownership went to his son. And you should know my feelings on Jim Buss. Bad move. The kid was never really around. He spent daddy's money everywhere around town, you know, allegedly blowing hookers, whatever. You're going to do whatever you're going to do on your time. You're a rich kid. Who cares? So what are you doing owning a basketball team and running the basketball team thinking you know what you're doing and just grinded that team down to a little nub, basically grinded it down to a little nub. He did make the blockbuster trade to get Dwight Howard and Steve Nash over from Phoenix and that team fell apart very quickly, just was not enough chemistry at all and of course injuries to Steve Nash and a little bit to Kobe that year with that Achilles rupture it just was bad so i give credit to Jeannie Buss who had been groomed from the start to take that team over who was implored by her father to get that master's degree at USC so she could better help with the marketing and the strategy of the team the brand because the Lakers are a brand They are a brand. If you are not living in Los Angeles, you know who the Lakers are because it's the Lake Show. It's Showtime. It's Magic, Kareem, Kobe, now LeBron. And Jeannie just sat there and waited and gave her brother a timetable, which her brother then, you know, would follow for the next four years. If we are not in contention for a championship, I will resign. And not only were they not in contention for a title, they were also not in the playoffs at all. It was horrible. It was terrible to watch. And as a Lakers fan, lifelong, you watch teams that came in and out of Kobe Bryant's orbit, right? And come and go, lose, just they weren't, they weren't good. We weren't good. And Kobe was out the year and then, and then Kobe's final season. And he signed this ridiculous big contract, right? He signed this huge contract that was going to definitely cripple the cap space for the Los Angeles Lakers. It was, it was a terrible contract. That two years, 48 million bucks, and, and the team had to take a lot of heat for that. I know Jim Buss didn't want to do it, and 
in that 2014 year, Jeannie implored him to do it. He, like, you please, please get this done. We need Kobe Bryant to be a Laker no matter what, what cost, you know? And that, and that is something that a lot of people gave the Lakers organization heat for. They, they were like, Kobe's done, blah, 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 everything, every headline you could think of. And I, in my fan, as a fan, as a fan, not even analytics wise, as a fan, I just looked there and I go, you know, Kobe for the longest time was not really the highest paid player in the game until that contract, the last two years. And that's a thank you contract. Because this is it. There, there is nobody coming through that door that anyone that we could sign or go get that is going to make us a contender right now. I'm okay with us sucking because maybe we go through the draft and, and, and pick up some guys. Well, as it turns out, <laughs> we didn't really pick up anybody over the draft except for pieces. And cool with that. Jeannie's explanation with that, we were loyal to Kobe Bryant. We are a family. The Lakers organization is the only family owned besides Jerry Jones and the devils that run the Dallas Cowboys. But the Lakers are this professional organization of not only family owned and operated, but actually winning. You know, the Cowboys won, you know, at what, five titles or whatever and whatnot. Dr. Buss nearly had his teams make 16 trips to the NBA finals, winning 10 of them. It's not even close how embarrassing that is for other teams. Not even the Yankees, not the yeah, Steinbrenners, Jerry Jones, anybody, the Yorks, nobody. Not even close. It's not happening. And it may never happen the way he ran that team, the way he ran this fran that franchise for the city. So anyway, Jeannie has the team after, in 2017, when her brother uh, Jim resigns, finally, thankfully. And she hires Magic Johnson as the VP of basketball operations. And within that time, Magic ends up drafting Lonzo Ball. And we, you know, I don't want to go on all, all to that, but he, he tries his best to move things forward. Rob Palenka takes over as the GM, who was formerly Kobe Bryant's agent. All this ends up happening. And the Lakers look bad. But Magic and the powers that be, including Jeannie, being the smart woman and businesswoman she is, LeBron's contract's up. What if we get LeBron James in Los Angeles, right? Well, who's the guy to go get him? Magic Johnson. And Magic Johnson has a meeting when LeBron's about to leave Cleveland. LeBron buys a house a year before he's able to come here. They have that meeting at that house. According to Magic Johnson, he was so nervous a little bit with that meeting that he waited he got there like an hour ahead and was waiting in his car. Imagine Magic Johnson, five-time NBA champion, nervous to meet another great player and just sitting in his car practicing his words or thinking or you know listening to Heat Wave or something. Who knows? And all of a sudden, LeBron signs in July of 2018. And then you fast forward even more. Magic steps off. Everyone starts yelling at the Lakers organization. Everyone starts pointing fingers at Jeannie again. This woman just stays the course. Stays the course. And what do they end up doing the summer later? They trade all those pieces. Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and they get Anthony Davis. Uh, Anthony Davis, who I don't think hasn't even stepped into his prime quite yet. Because Anthony Davis, to me, could be one of the most dominant players in the NBA. And that's the story's written there. 
you have a big guy and you got a LeBron James is not a little guy, but you got a wing guy, right? You got these two superstars on the same team in the land of tinsel. And here we go. And I felt great with them matching up against anybody else, anybody else in the NBA. I felt really, really good. Actually, the team that worried me the most wasn't the Clippers. It was actually the Milwaukee Bucks, just because I felt like Giannis was, was going to be a little difficult to handle because him and AD is almost a wash at this point, but they didn't make it. They didn't make it. And so the Lakers end up getting themselves into the NBA finals again. Pretty, pretty well, actually. We winning five games against an upstart Portland Trailblazer team, then got riddled with injuries. And then the Houston Rockets and their stupid small ball that I'm glad is about to be blown up to bits. And I can't believe Mike D'Antoni still has another job in this league, but that's another story. And the Denver Nuggets were one of the most exciting teams, and they will be there again. They will be around again. It's going to be a lot more competitive in the West next year, but they will be there again. But we say that every year. It's going to be a lot more competitive in the West. It's going to be a lot more competitive. It will be, but this team is good to go. This Lakers team is good to go. And you get to the finals. They take care of the Heat, which is ironic because it's it's the the tied two titles that LeBron had brought to Miami and for Pat Riley. Eric Spolstra cemented his legacy coaching LeBron. Pat Riley, who won us all these championships with the 80s Lakers, the Showtime Lakers, he's there in the front office. He's looking down at this team. It's tough. It's, there's a lot of narratives there. But to see the look on the face of Jeannie Buss hosting that trophy, she got her first one. I mean, she's been there since the beginning. She's been there for all 10. Technically, this would be her 11th title. But you want to know something? This is hers. This is her system. This was her idea. She put the right people around her in Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka to go get the players they needed to go and trust the development. And they did it. And the Lakers got it done. And guess what? The Lakers will continue to get it done. Anthony Davis hasn't even hit his prime yet. He's about to make a ton of cash because he's a free agent. He's going to opt out of his contract. But he's going to opt in to stay in LA for a bunch of money. And he's, he's a champion on his first renewable contract. You kidding me? On, it just This is the kind of Hollywood ending after Kobe Bryant's passing that only the Lakers can do. And the Lakers did it. The Lakers did it. They survived the bubble. They beat out a lot of teams. They gave us some great basketball. Enough said. Lakers, 17 times world champions. They always get it done, is what my barber told me. I would never forget this. A couple of weeks ago, I was getting my haircut right before the uh, NLCS began with the Dodgers. The Lakers always get it done, is what my barber said. They always do. Dodgers MO, they always choke. And this has to be true. Is it? Mm. Yes and no. You can look at 2016. We break it down. I break it down this. The Dodgers have lost to every single champion, eventual champion, or in the title game in the World Series the last four years before this one. 2016, they lost to the Cubs in the NLCS, who eventually would go on to win the World Series against Cleveland. They were up two games to one, and then they started losing. But you know what? I will say that the Cubs were a better team. 2017, we put it together and we got cheated. I don't need to go into how much the Astros cheated. They just did. It's just plain simple. 
2018, the Red Sox were a way better team in that World Series, and I still feel that the Dodgers limped into that World Series. I thought Milwaukee was a little bit better, but experience beat them out. And the whole bullpen game gimmick with Craig Council, it wears the team down. Hence, we ended up winning that series, but lost to the, the Red Sox. And then 2019 was a collapse. It was, that, that I'll give you that collapse. It was bad, bad head-scratching ideas, because in 2019, I felt like we were poised to win it all. I felt like we were poised to rendezvous with the Houston Astros again, Sands cheating. Everyone kind of knew that the cat was out of the bag during that postseason, that the, the Astros were using signs and they were, or excuse me, using video to steal signs. And I felt really, really good at our chances to get to that World Series with Ryu and Maeda that were there and obviously Kershaw and Walker Bueller and yada, yada, yada. But you got to give credit to the Nats for fighting. They just, that was their whole mantra all year. Stay in the fight, stay in the fight, stay in the fight. And now we get to 2020. And the Dodgers go down three games to one against the Atlanta Braves and LCS. I'm like, at that point, I, I, I had two ways to think about it. I shut down mentally after they lost uh, game four. And in game five, I, I turned it on. And I was like, you know what? I want to play baseball tomorrow. I want them to think that. I hope they think I want to, be, I want to play baseball tomorrow. In a shortened season that was only 60 games out of 162, you had to play well. Anybody out there right now that tells me that they are not real champions is an idiot. Reason number one, a 60-game schedule is actually a lot more difficult to stay consistent with. There's no time to take a day off. There's, there's actually less days off. Um, and you're not, yeah. You're traveling in your region. You're doing that, but you're still traveling. You're still figuring it out. You're still going to a new ballpark. You also don't have the video replays that these new kids are accustomed to nowadays. And you're not, early on, you weren't allowed to take BP. So it was like being a kid in Little League. You just got thrown onto the field. Good luck. And you only have 60 games to get this done. Now the format, the playoff format, 16 teams allowed a room for error, but at the same time, it was an unknown if there was going to be this Texas bubble that eventually ended up happening in Arlington and Houston, and then obviously the California bubble in San Diego and Los Angeles. It's tough. 60 games is tough. You don't have any days off. You just, you're speeding through the season. That's way more difficult than 162. You can be the shittiest team from April to all-star break, and if you start cooking at the end of July all the way up to the final day of September, you can not only make the playoffs, you could probably win your division. Momentum is a funny thing in baseball, and it's a marathon, and it's a grind. I get that. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that they aren't the world champions because they only played 60 games, you're a fucking idiot. You're a fucking idiot. I really, really believe that. Because it's a lot more difficult in a game that needs a, a giant sample size. In, in a game where you fail seven out of 10 times and you're the best, one of the best players ever, you fail seven out of 10 times, all that stuff gets extra, extra microscopic. And with all the video and things that these guys are used to and it not being available to them this year, the BP, their routines, all that stuff not being available this year, you have to take it up and change and adapt in a different level. And these guys did it. They were the best team from the, from the start they obviously have crowned themselves as champions now. And it's funny how many people try to steal the thunder of both the Lakers and the Dodgers for winning their titles. 
But getting into the Dodgers, another thing that happened to them. Magic Johnson, right? Magic Johnson gets the Guggenheim group together who ends up owning the Dodgers. The Dodgers had the O'Malley's, and of course we all know how they traded Mike Piazza, which was one of the worst moves the O'Malley's ever did. Then Frank McCourt comes along, and it's like, oh, this guy, this guy is, you know, he wants to win. He hires Joe Torre. We go to the NLCS a couple times. We lose to the Phillies. And then it turns out Frank McCourt's a big fucking schemer like our president. And somehow decides I'm bankrupt. I can't own the team anymore. And you got people and hot dog vendors, hot dog vendors, people that sweep up, people that run the parking lot. They're not cashing their checks because they're bouncing. The team is bankrupt. The Los Angeles Dodgers are bankrupt. And what does this asshole do? He ends up selling to the Guggenheims for a multi-billion dollar deal. Gets to keep the parking lot, which is why I will not park in that stadium unless it's for free. And the Guggenheim group decides to employ Andrew Friedman. Magic Johnson consults on the brand and building up the stadium again. There's that guy. There's the mayor, Magic Johnson. There he is again. Andrew Friedman builds the architect for this team. And then the next argument I always hear about the Dodgers, well, it's LA. They got the biggest payroll. They can do whatever they want. Blah, blah, blah. I will say this. Yes, the Dodgers can do whatever they want because they now have the money. They do. They do have the money. But are they going out there and spending a bajillion dollars on players? They only did it this year because they needed one piece. His name is Marcus, or as we call him, Mookie. Mookie Betts. You want to know something crazy? Let's look at the Dodgers roster right now. I want to tell you this. Clayton Kershaw, homegrown. Walker Bueller, homegrown. Kenley Jansen, homegrown. Bruce Dark Gratterall. He was part of the trade that apparently the Red Sox didn't want him. Okay, we'll, we'll add him into the Mookie trade. We'll take him. Look at that kid. Dylan Floro. Nobody gave a shit about Dylan Floro in Tampa. Andrew Friedman's like, I'll, I'll, I'll take him. I grab him. Adam Kolarik. Nobody gives a shit about him either. I'll take him. Victor Gonzalez, homegrown. Joe Kelly, spent some money on him. Hometown kid. Julio Urias, homegrown. Dustin May, homegrown. Tony Gonzalez, homegrown. Will Smith, homegrown. Austin Barnes, homegrown. Max Muncy was cast off to the side. The island of misfit toys. Nobody wanted Max Muncy. Max Muncy was hitting baseballs at his high school in Texas when he got the phone call to be on the Dodgers out of necessity. Because Cody Bellin, or excuse me, Corey Seager was hurt. Corey Seager was done. He needed Tommy John surgery and hip replacement. And we ended up getting Manny Machado that year, but we didn't keep Manny Machado. But Max Muncy, welcome aboard. Come on, play baseball. Cody Bellinger, homegrown. Edwin Rios, homegrown. Okay, let's see. You, you see what I'm saying? Justin Turner. Nobody wants this guy. Baltimore Orioles take him. He's there for about two years. Eh. He's there for three years with the Mets. Eh. He signs a minor league deal with Cleveland. Meh. They kick him off. They all just don't want him, right? Chris Taylor, nobody wants him either. These, this is what the Dodgers do. They take risks a little bit on guys, but they want guys with heart. They want guys there. That's why they've been there for so long. I mean, Alex Wood was a trade from the Braves. We brought Alex Wood back because Alex Wood felt cheated in 2017. By the way, he's the only Dodger pitcher to win in Houston because he figured out that they were stealing signs. He was also really nervous. So he had him and Yasmani Grandal switch up the signs. Look at that. 
and you you if you looked at his face during that World Series, uh, this World Series, the one that the Dodgers actually won, you see a face of someone that is like, you are not stealing this from me. I want to fucking win. And that's how these guys played the game. They were cheated. They were robbed of a World Series in 2017. And then, of course, it repeats the heartbreak, the heartbreak every year, every year. The losers, oh, the Dodgers are going to choke. My barber, Lakers get it done. The Dodgers always choke. Always, always, always. So here's the thing. To be the man, you got to beat the man. That's what Ric Flair used to always say, right? And baseball has had its redemption stories in our modern era. In, since 2004, it has been Red Sox and, yeah, fuck it, White Sox, why not? The Cubs have won a World Series that some people have lived 105 years to see and died before they could even see it again. And the Nats, Washington, D.C. sports was so starved for a title, and the Nationals won a title last year. Hell, it took, what, 60 years for the San Francisco Giants to win championships? They got three in this modern era, and they got three of those titles by being, though it makes me sick and want to vomit, because I obviously am a Dodgers fan, you hate the Giants, but you know, it's respect, respect. They were the grinders. They were the underdog. They weren't the proverbial favorite. They were the team that would sneak up on people. And they were down 3-1 against the Cardinals. I think it was 24. And then they, they, they rode that. They were down 3-1-2. And then they just swept the Tigers out of the, the World Series. And then they went to Game 7 against the Royals. And they have bounced back and forth, back and forth. That's that. And, and you know what? It was fun to watch. I will say that. As much as I can't stand the Giants, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch them win those three World Series because the way they did it. Because I'm a baseball fan. I love baseball. Baseball is this beautiful and special game. Beautiful game that invites so many different things because it's very American. It is ours. We created it. We've had it evolve. It has survived two world wars, a Vietnam War, and now a global pandemic. And here we are. We still crowned a World Series champion. We had one of the craziest games ever in Game 4 this year. And we got to see the Dodgers end up winning that. Clayton Kershaw got his redemption in Game 5. Game 6, Dodgers win it all. And damn, as a Los Angelino, as a kid growing up here, how important, as a Latino kid growing up here, how important to see that World Series banner hung, or will be hung on that stadium, is pretty special. And I don't give a shit if it was in a bubble. Here's the other thing I'm going to tell you too. I told you early on that there will be idiots that are coming out about this bubble ball. Basketball, hockey, football, whatever. And going, well, this year doesn't count. Yes, it does. It actually counts more because you saw proof in the pudding on how players were behaving. And if you were actually any sort of smart, you would have different thoughts on the priorities that certain players put over others. So with that being said, Lou Williams going to Magic City for the Clippers, ruining the chemistry of that team. The whole chemistry of that team was in question all season long. How about the Marlins earlier in the year? The St. Louis Cardinals earlier in the year? How about all these uh, Tennessee Titans going to a bachelor party on Main Street? I'm a little bit weird about Justin Turner getting COVID positive randomly 
in the World Series during the game, which I think is really strange. And then everyone's giving him shit for being out there. Everyone is giving him shit for being out there during the celebration, mask on, mask off, kissing his wife. Okay, let me break this down very, very simply to you. He tested positive, right? They informed him in the seventh inning changeover that, hey, dude, you've tested positive. You need to come out of the game right now. He still played, warmed up, hung out at night, kissed his wife, kissed whoever, hung out, and did all that all day while he was positive before knowing he was positive. And you don't think that this guy that has been here since 2014, who has survived every heartbreak from 16 on, you don't think the heartbeat and the leader of that team is going to go out there for the trophy for the picture for his friend for the it wasn't like the team told him to go away the team wanted him out there they wouldn't take the team picture I have it on good authority that they would not take the team picture until he was out there that's why it was like an hour later and then he eventually showed up doc wanted him out there dave roberts we call him doc here he wanted him out there everyone out there that's like oh my god i don't never have to you know what Here's the responsible thing that Justin Turner may or may not do, but I think he's going to do it. He's going to stay there. Him and Courtney are going to stay there. His wife, his name's Courtney. Her name's Courtney. They're going to stay there, and they're going to give it a week and see how he goes. He's probably asymptomatic, but he's going to stay there. And I know that the Dodgers got tested today, so they're going to check on. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to do all this as a team. There was no way in hell that they were going to take that moment away from each other. That was such a weird moment because I thought he got hurt, but it was such a weird moment, and the media loves to do this. Again, this is a very anti-show. This is a show that is not mainstream at all, right? You're, I have no fucking followers, but who cares? But you guys listen to it, and I love you. Whoever does out there, I do love you. But listen, this is so overblown. You had people, going, Red Sox, Cubs, people that were on their deathbeds, people that had cancer, people that needed to be in, on oxygen in 30-degree weather out there just to see it. So you're going to tell me that a player that is not feeling any sort of symptoms, is not doing whatever, but had been, he was infected, and had been around the team the entire day, then all of a sudden was made aware that he was infected, and he blows protocol? And you're going to get on him for that? Bullshit. The other thing that's a big bullshit is Major League Baseball's Rob Manfred. He's the commissioner of baseball. He got booed heavily when he was presenting everything uh, the other night when the Dodgers won the World Series. That guy is the biggest joke. That guy sucks. That guy's going to reduce salaries. That guy is horrible. Horrible. That's who you should be. He cut corners. Good authority. Good reporting. Great stuff. You dig into the sphere and you know people that are down there working at it. There was no protocol like the NBA bubble. The Dodgers were in Texas for a month. The Dodgers were in Texas for a month. They never changed any sort of that scenery at all. And do you know what they told me? A couple guys, one guy in particular on the team, there was no sort of protocol when they left the hotel, when they got to the, to the stadium, and when they got back. Knowing from a reporter friend of mine that was down the NBA bubble, it was so strict. 
tested on the way in, tested on the way out, mandatory testing every single day. It was kind of like you got up, you ate your vet. It was like being in prison. You got up, you ate your vegetables, then you go to testing, come back, results, do whatever. Then you go back to your hotel room, no one. There was no policing of that of any kind because Major League Baseball didn't want to fit the bill. So you can't get on me with this Justin Turner crap. You need to look up on high. It's kind of like the rest of this country, right? Does stupid things. You have to look up on high. You have to look at the top to see how the top is trickling down to the bottom. Because if you really wanted to make things right, you wouldn't have had any fans there. And that's another problem too, right? The other thing, because you want to make a buck. The other thing though too, you should have had the team that had the best record have some sort of advantage. You put the Dodgers and the Rays, who were the best team in the American League, and I really do believe that they would have been the best team all year anyway. And Maybe the, the Yankees got healthy and they had that August-September swing back. But you put the two best teams in jeopardy. Two-game series to start everything, or the best of two out of three. So dangerous. Then the five-game series is always a grind. You never know. Then a seven-game series. This is the first time ever that we've had three ways to get two the World Series, three different rounds. It almost got blown up. You also had teams under 500, losing record teams. And hey, Giants fan out there that's been bitching about this World Series and talking shit, you were knocking on the door. You were knocking on that door in that eighth seed in the National League. You were knocking on that door. Don't tell me anything about that. You can't, you can't. So this World Series to me to quote the great Vin Scully, right? In the most improbable year, the impossible has happened. And yes, it has. We didn't know in March when this all went down, what kind of world we were going to get in the next few months. We ended up getting baseball and basketball back very quickly, which was awesome. And you give credit to where credit is due. And you have to also understand that this is so unprecedented a time it feels good. I will never forget these titles. I will never forget. These will be quiz questions at the local bar when those reopen next year sometime. Or they're already open because you live in you know, Cleveland or St. Louis or George, Atlanta. But here, here, that's the thing. These will be trivia questions at a certain point. No one's going to forget that. And I'm going to tell you this too. Anyone that won the title in this bubble... You want to talk about asterisks? I'll give you a bunch of asterisks for the NBA. I'll give you a whole list of asterisks for the Golden State Warriors if I wanted to be the dick like that, but I'm not going to be because sports, they, they ha- it happens when it happens. This actually, to me, nobody got an asterisk during World War II when Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio had to leave their teams, right? Those games still counted, right? Come on. You're full of shit. You're jealous. You're sad. That's just how it goes. And guess what? The Dodgers are world champions. They got seven. Here's the other thing too. Be very scared if you're the general public. Be very scared or also envious or sad or upset or whatever you want to do because LA is going to be just fine for the next few years. Not only that, because the Lakers are so good and they're stacked and they can get more guys on their team. The other thing too, the Dodgers, the youth, Walker Bueller, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, Julio Urias, Victor Gonzalez. They're all the young guys. This, is, this was almost like the last year Kershaw, Jansen, and Turner could win a title. Well, Smith's still young. I mean, Cody Bellinger, obviously young. Corey Seager's our Derek Jeter now. Corey, Corey Seager's a veteran. 
Can you believe that? Corey Seager, Corey Seager is a veteran. You've got to be kidding me. And he's, he's a veteran at 26 years old. He's prime to me is always 28 to 35. Corey Seager's not even there yet. That's scary. Cody Bellinger's, I think, 24. Walker Bueller, 24, 25. These guys aren't even there yet. Clint Kershaw's my age. He's 32. He's on his way out. Maybe, and, and you know what's funny? He might get a few more years to be able to own with this team and romp with them. The Dodgers, the pressure is off. And man, when the pressure is off on a team and a team has been there before and didn't been there and done that, and the, the microscope of blowing it or not blowing, things change. Ask the Red Sox. After 2004, the Red Sox have won three world titles since when they couldn't buy a World Series ticket in 100 years. They won three since the 04 season. Yeah, 04, 07, 13, and 18. Unreal, right? Unreal. This was the cursed team. We'll see what the Cubs turn out to be. This is the other thing I will say about the Dodgers, too. The Dodgers were smart with their money. And they, don't, they didn't overpay anybody. The Red Sox have had to blow up the team. They've had to trade Mookie Betts to here. The Cubs are in a financial stranglehold. They can't afford anybody or develop anybody or have any talent. The Dodgers still have one of the best farm systems in the league, like top five. And they got everybody playing. This is, this is what happens when you trust the process. And for basketball being a superstar-driven league, LeBron and AD are going to be here for the next three seasons. You don't think they're going to be the favorites every single year? And then when LeBron retires... Anthony Davis will be the next LeBron. He'll be the next older statesman. He'll be Kareem when Magic showed up. And guess what? Our Magic hasn't really showed up, but he's coming. Also, I don't know if you're a hockey fan, but the LA Kings got this kid named Quentin Byfield, who I think is going to change the sport. (laughs) Oh, it's a great time to be an LA sports fan. Be very, very afraid of LA sports if you are someone that's so bitter and so stupid to hate LA everything, blah, 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 blah. And Clipper fan, you might find yourself going down to San Diego or Anaheim because I don't think this market is for you. That's it. The Lakers are champions. The Dodgers are finally, finally champions. And you know what? Feels great, baby. Feels great.